While solid communication principles and practices can be applied to all facets of ministry, it never hurts to take a deeper dive into some of the specific areas of ministry. And on today's episode of the MyCom Church Marketing Podcast, we're talking about communications and marketing related to youth ministry. Thank you, everybody, for listening. My name is Dan Wunderlich, and I'm a United Methodist pastor, and our guest for today's program is Brian Bliss. Brian is a veteran youth pastor, curriculum developer, and novelist. He lives with his family in St. Paul, Minnesota, and works with Spark House, the sponsor of today's episode. Brian, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks, Dan. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's begin by having you share a bit about yourself as well as your experience in ministry. Sure. So I, I grew up United Methodist. I always thought, oh, the first chance I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get away from this because it was just so familiar, but it, it kind of imprinted on me theologically and otherwise. And so for after, you know, after college, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I ended up going to seminary, Vanderbilt, Divinity School. And then from there, I spent the next 15, 16 years working in, in youth ministry. Um, I worked at churches all across the South, out in Oregon, um, which kind of led me to my current role here at Sparkhouse, which is making and developing and kind of designing curriculum for both children and youth ministry audiences. And it's been kind of the I don't want to say the culmination of my career because hopefully it'll keep going. <laughs> but you yeah, know, it's yeah, yeah. one of those things where it's like having the impact on the local church level and then being able to come to a place like Sparkhouse where you can have even a greater impact. It's just been kind of this interesting perspective of looking at uh, youth ministry from 10,000 feet. And then also uh, I work part time, still serve at church part time and being able to see it on the ground. Um, Absolutely. has been a kind of an awesome experience. Well, we are grateful to Sparkhouse for sponsoring today's episode, and listeners can learn more about them at wearesparkhouse.org. And Brian, I would love to hear what it is about Sparkhouse that led you there, and what do you love about working there and what you do with churches? Yeah, so I put a lot of value in curriculum. I always have. I've always thought. I'm, I'm like anybody, though, that I, I look at curriculum, I'm like, oh, I can make this better. <laughs> you know, I think that that's yeah, kind yeah. of the running j- joke among around here. And, you know, I, I think it's true. But I think that there is something to be said about curriculum that actually connects with teenagers uh, and children in a way that's going to be relevant to them and engaging to them. So it's not just slapping a piece of paper, like a worksheet down on the table and be like, okay, now you're going to learn about prevenient grace. It's like already (laughs) we've like messed up two different things. They have no idea what prevenient grace is. They don't care about this worksheet. And so like this thing that we, that's really important that we want to talk to them about all of a sudden is not going to connect in the way that we hope. And so one of the things that Sparkhouse does really well, I think, is that we create products that we always call end user focused, meaning that they're just stuff that kids are going to like. Teenagers and kids, we're going to meet them exactly where they are. We're going to use humor. We're going to use theology that respects them as uh, budding or maybe a little bit down the road theologians. And it's going to be a curriculum that also leaders can pick up and use. And it's not going, it's going to make their job as easy as possible. So while no curriculum is ever going to be perfect, you know, I like to think that we're doing a pretty good job of getting as close as you can get. That's great. You can always tell when you read curriculum, whether it's written by someone that knows actual children or just is aware of the idea of children. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The idea of children. I love the idea of children. They're sometimes much better than the actual children uh, in my own life and and at church. There you go. Well, as we turn to look specifically at youth ministry, uh, Brian, you say that the first step for marketing youth ministry is not actually marketing. So Brian, where are we supposed to start? Yeah, this is kind of one of those cheeky uh, answer, I think, that I came up with. But for me, I think building the program like is like 
the fundamental first step of anything that you have to do, having a rock solid program, whether you're talking about Christian education, Sunday school, small groups, youth ministry on Sunday nights, or whenever you do it, like making sure that that program is buttoned up, ready to go, and something that kids actually want to be a part of, that when they step in, you know exactly what's happening at every step of that program. That's the first step. I think a lot of times we fall into this trap, and this is a not necessarily a youth minister's fault, but I think this is sometimes the fault of churches wanting to grow before they're ready to grow, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like for youth ministries, is they're like, well, we need to get 100 kids in the, in the door right now. It's like, yeah, but we don't have a program set up for 100 kids yet. So yeah. my first thing is always like, who are the kids that are in this church right now? What specifically, like, what is the context? What are they looking for? Where have they been? What, what, what do they need? And trying to build that group and build that program around. Because as, as you start to build that, kids are going to invite their friends. They're going to get other people out there. That marketing is going to happen naturally. So instead of trying to create like flashy marketing supplies and stuff like that, my first step is always to say, okay, I want to make this program really good. Because if the product, so to speak, is not quality, it doesn't matter if you get kids in the door because they're not going to want to stay and they're not going to want to stick around. So. Exactly. Yeah. I I believe it's Seth Godin who always talks about word of mouth marketing is the most vital marketing and kids are going to tell each other what their experience was. So if it's positive, it's going to spread. But if it is negative, that's also going to spread. And I get that. My background was originally in college campus ministry, which can be similar to youth ministry. We both eat a lot of pizza, uh, but (laughs) we like to come up with cool sounding names and create branding and logos and events and programs. And we try to build this buzz and excitement. But what I hear you saying is that creating a buzz might get young people in the door one time, but if the foundation isn't there, we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot. Is, Is that kind of your perspective? Yeah, because like you can you can make your youth ministry or college ministry like fuel or you know or hyper or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and that doesn't mean anything to kids. Like it honestly means nothing in my opinion. But that's a whole other podcast, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but what means something is the fact that you're there for, with them, that you have other adults that care about these kids, and that you're planning events that are going to both you know engage them in a fellowship way, but also in a discipleship way. Like this happened to me just recently. A kid like. I don't know what they were doing, so I don't know exactly how to take this, if this was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but a kid was like, all I hear is like, oh, don't worry about it. Bliss is cool. That's what, like a teenager said that to his friend. And I was like, wait a minute, what were you guys doing? But, <laughs> but that is one of those things, right? Where it's like, oh, I've created that trust. Like they're willing now, like we've created the trust because we've done some of the fun stuff. We've done some of the mission stuff. And now they're, it builds that trust in a little bit. So now that we can get into like deeper, like discipleship type, type of things, so. Awesome. This is slightly off topic, but I'm sure this is a question all of the youth pastors and senior pastors who are also doing youth ministry would love to hear. We hear over and over again about the youth pastor that wants to build the capacity but has trouble recruiting volunteers, particularly adult or young adult volunteers. Do you have any tips or encouragement for the youth director that feels like they're they're putting in the bulletin every week, hey, I need help, and they never hear anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm living this right now in my new church that I just started at. Um, I think part of it is, it's a couple things. I think one, it's it's longevity. So I think it's just being there. And I think it's like what we were talking about the first. Like at first, there is a little bit of you having to advocate for the program and being the person who passionately is telling the story of the program over and over again. The more you do it, whether that's through preaching in you know coffee hour or going to um, you know, different events, like telling that story and letting other people hear it is great. Um, I think it's also a matter of 
opening yourself to who the right people might be, like getting beyond any preconceptions of that you might have of who the right may people be. So one thing that I always do is when I started a church, I'll, I'll just go to every single small group, whether that's actual small groups or if it's choir or the women's Bible study or the men's pancake breakfast or whatever it is, I will stop by every single one and just say, hey, who in this congregation really loves kids? And I'll write down every name, no matter who they are, no matter what they're already tied up in. And then I just start contacting those people and just say, hey, your name was given to me as somebody who really loves kids. And I'd love to talk to you about a way that you can get connected into the into this ministry. Uh, and then I, I give them, it's like, just think about it. If it's a no, great. I, you know, But my whole thing is I'm always looking for people who are called into this type of ministry, yeah. not people yeah. that are just there to be the warm body. Now, warm bodies really help at certain points when you don't have anybody. <laughs> like lock-ins. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but it, for me, it's just like I, I want to make this a thing where people can see this as their ministry. And so when I, when I make those asks... I then I also tell people this is not you're not signing yourself up for all year. If the thing that you can do is be here for the lock-in, awesome. I'm going to write your name down, and when we do that, I'm going to call you. But you know, there might be people who are like, I really want to be a part of every doing UMYF, or if if we still call it that, I do. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's they might want to be a part of that every week, and so it's like okay, making that flexible and open to who those people are, and slowly you're going to start to see. That, that, that becomes a form of marketing too, because suddenly those people who have now become invested in your program are talking about it in the congregation. They're saying, man, Brian is just the best person at ministry we've ever, we've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> that's never happened. But, you know, but yeah, so yeah. that kind of stuff, I think that starts to happen too. Well, obviously we want to create the capacity and we get that foundation down. And once we have those structural things in place, it is also vitally important that we select the right kind of events, programs, or curriculum for our specific churches. And I know that when I open up any one of the 50 catalogs that get mailed to my church, or I go on Amazon, or I even open up a website of a publisher like Sparkhouse, I can easily get overwhelmed by all of the options, everything that's being published this month, and then obviously everything that's ever been published before. We're all working on limited budgets. The last thing we want to do is purchase something that doesn't end up working. What kind of questions should we be asking? What kind of things should we be looking for? Where can we turn for help when selecting curriculum and programs? Yeah, I think part of this, you, you kind of got to it in your in your question, which is knowing who your church is and knowing what the context that you're doing ministry is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times especially when I was first starting out, like a lot of the purpose-driven youth stuff was happening and, and a lot of these like big church ministries were kind of dominating, you know, like everybody should be doing small groups and you should have 15 small groups. And it's like, I've got 15 kids. <laughs> How am I going to do that? And so like my view of ministry at that point was skewed. I wasn't thinking about my own context. So I think looking at yeah. your context and using that as the initial lens for which you try to pick what kind of curriculum you're going to do, whether that's the type of kids that you have, or the amount of kids you have. Um, I think also, like, when you start opening the catalog and looking at all this stuff, I think we don't do this very often because it, I think we're scared of being sold something. But sometimes calling a company, like, I know we have customer service people here that you can literally call and say, I have questions about TBD, our new small group resource product. Um, mm. Little little plug. Uh, <laughs> but, sure. you know, it's like, but it's... And I don't know how this works. Can you explain it to me? So I think calling and asking, like you don't have to give up your information. Nobody's going to capture your email. I mean, c- capture your phone number and start calling you at all and yeah. all day and night. Um, I, but I think that can help. And then I think also just being willing to ask for samples uh, and also having some integrity with those samples that you're not going to just photocopy them and use them for the next two right. years. Right. Asking for samples and just saying like, I really need to see if this works for my context. Is there a way that I can see a sample? Like we create sample lessons 
that are one-offs that you can use. But you know, a lot of times publishing companies will send you kind of comp copies or desk copies, as they call them in the academic world, where you can just flip through it and see how it will work in your context. And I think just asking a lot of times is worth, is worth the trouble of, of reaching out to some of the companies that are out there. That's so great to know because we can get lost in some of the catalogs from places that are essentially just big warehouses. But but actually reaching out to the publishers, that's a really smart idea. Well, and I, I was going to say, sorry, I, I'll say one more thing too about that too, is like if you, and this is me going against the, the company line here a little bit, but like it's also not being beholden to what the company says the product has to work and how it has to work. Like mm. if you have 10 kids and this is a product that is a three-year program for 50 kids, like Picking and choosing ways that you can kind of Frankenstein a curriculum together is perfectly acceptable and, and I think is worth doing in those smaller church contexts. Awesome. Okay, so we have this foundation in place. We've got our events planned. It's time to get the word out. And the fact is that, uh, you know, we have an entire podcast here on church marketing and communications. It's a sign that it's something we all struggle with. But specifically for youth ministry, what are some of the unique challenges that youth ministers face? Yeah, I think it's. It's legion. Uh, 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 I think one, just getting kids to, well, let's start over. You have to figure out who you're communicating to first, Mm. right? Because this is this weird thing where it's not just teenagers and it's not just parents, but it's both of those. And so you have to make sure that you're communicating to both of those people because I would never want to just communicate to parents because I want teenagers to feel invested in what we're talking about and what we're doing and to feel like that this is their program. But I also don't want to just communicate to teenagers because they're sometimes unreliable <laughs> and the sure. parents need to know what's happening. Um, and so I think it's like finding that balance of how to do that, the making sure that your avenues of communication to both of them are open and that you're aware that this has to be happening kind of simultaneously. And in order to do that, and this would be part two, is to making sure that you're communicating clearly and effectively and so the clearly part is pretty obvious just I, I don't think a lot of times with like with marketing we think oh we're gonna have this really awesome looking flyer and it's gonna be really cool and it's like I've gotten to this point now where it's like they just need the information so what's the easiest mm. way that I can give them the information but then the easiest way that you give them the information is also that part of this communication process so it's like email text social media the bulletin on Sunday the weekly newsletter whatever it is like spreading communication out widely is something that is really hard and and just not assuming that the only way that we like to do it like if it was up to me I would just put it out on Twitter and be like you guys check it every week <laughs> and yeah yeah um, but it's, it just doesn't work that way or, or or honestly even better just send an email and everybody checks their email but realizing that <laughs> not everybody does that and everybody communicates in a different ways so you just, you just have to put in the work. And that's the hard part. I think as youth workers, sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We, we like our job. We want to eat pizza and ride go-karts, but sometimes it's like we have to put in the work and we have to make sure that we're really communicating because if we're not, then the program ultimately is going to suffer. Absolutely. And uh, I want you to put on kind of your best like uh, encouragement hat, like college football, halftime uh, pump up speech. You have been uh, putting out messages via email and social media, maybe even texting, all this kind of stuff. You're reaching out to parents, you're reaching out to kids, you're doing what the kids have asked you to do. And then they still say, I didn't know that was happening. (laughs) How do you, what, what words of encouragement do you have for your colleagues out there? I think prayer is important <laughs> for self-reflection. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, you know, I think, I think this is the moment where you get to again show a little bit of grace, probably to to these parents and these people. The worst thing that you can do is enter into any kind of relationship with parents or kids, and that's either based in guilt or in your own kind of bitterness. Like you're just not going to last. Mm. It's, it's because people aren't going to 
this is not the most important thing in their life most of the time. And, and it might be for you, but it's not for them most of the time because they have multiple other things going on. And so I think a, if you want kids and parents to be involved in your youth ministry, you just kind of have to accept, I think, from the beginning that this is going to happen and it's a part of the game at this point, right? That kids are overscheduled, parents have a thousand things going on. And so if they say, oh, I didn't know this was happening. That to me is a thing of saying, I'm interested. Like I think com- there's a comma there. I don't know what's happening, comma, but I'm interested. And that's the part that I would want to focus on. I'm interested. And if they're interested, I don't think we have to bend over backwards to make people do things. I'm a fan, actually, of canceling trips. <laughs> like if people don't sign up in time, like yeah. if, if we need to make preparations and it's the Friday before a Sunday trip and nobody signed up, then I'm like, all right, we're not doing it. Because I think that that's a good lesson that, that signups do matter. But I think if somebody comes up to you for like a Sunday night dinner or something like that, and they're like, I didn't know this was happening. Can I still sign my kid up? The question is, yes, or the answer is yes, of course. And so I think just operating from that place is how I always try to do it. That's not really probably a great tip, like a practical tip, but I think it is a good way of just a way of self-awareness and a little bit of self-reflection that when we hear that, that our immediate response would be like, how could you possibly not know this was happening? I've been talking about it for six months, but instead, great, I want Zach to be involved. (laughs) So That's awesome. That's a really great perspective and a way to kind of turn it on its head. And and we've talked about this many times on previous episodes of this podcast that we always have to put ourselves in other people's shoes, but sometimes it's, it's maybe even paying attention to our own shoes. Like when we write our marketing material, we think everyone's going to read every word of, of every flyer or every announcement or every bulletin or every webpage. But the truth is we don't even do that. It's not just that teenagers don't do that. We don't do that. And so Sometimes it's not as hard to get into the opposite perspective as, as we uh, we think it is. Yeah. Um, well, we're not going to delve too deeply into this today. It probably deserves its own episode. But uh, just real quickly, are there any areas related to online safety or transparency uh, in your relationship with youth and minors when it comes to communicating with youth that youth pastors or church communication folks should at the very least be aware of? Yeah, I think again, you nailed it. It's like just being aware of the fact that there's a power imbalance in these communications, regardless if you have that intention or not, which I'm assuming most people don't, that you do have sway in the lives of these teenagers and that they are minors. And I think just being aware of this, the same way that now, you know, with safe sanctuaries and other safe church type of programs, we know like most of us aren't going to be in the room alone with a teenager. And I think applying that same mindset into how we communicate with teenagers is the exact same. Just keeping that in mind is how I I tend to do it. One thing that I'll do a lot of times is I I have no problem texting or messaging with teenagers back and forth because sometimes, again, that's the way that they communicate and they want to know, like, hey, hey, what's happening tonight? (laughs) And you just tell them. But if if this is an ongoing conversation or something that is – I will always – try to find a way to, you know, at church be like, Hey, I've been talking with, um, with Jack a lot on, on messenger and it seems like he's having a good time, you know, at, at swimming or whatever it is. And just to let parents know in that way that like, that I'm having these conversations most of the time yeah. they don't care, they know already, but it is a way of just being like, we're having this conversation and I don't have to like, put it out there like I want you to know that me and your son are having a <laughs> private conversation and everything yeah. is fine it's like that would be weird but that's just how I do it because I think it's just another way of you know letting you can look at it as a self-serving thing it's like hey I mean I'm doing my job even at night but it, but honestly the way I think about it is it's just it's just a way of kind of doing that and you know and I think that the other thing is if kids are exhibiting or saying behavior that concerns you it's just it's the mantra we i say again and again on our other on our podcast that we do is you are not a counselor you're not a doctor it's like you have to be willing to get them 
to move them out if they're in a crisis to get them to people that can help them and not try to think that you can solve that yourself over Facebook Messenger. Yeah, absolutely. Well, authentic communication and the kind of marketing that truly makes an impact builds relationships, which means that it is a two-way street and there's no quicker way to make young people tune out than to make them feel as if they have no voice or input. How do you recommend building listening into our marketing strategy? Yeah, this is a, this is a harder one. Um, I think it goes back to some of what we've already talked about, which is if kids are saying, I don't check my email, it's doing it or like thinking that you might want to completely do all of your stuff on Facebook, but or, or Snapchat, or whatever it is, you know, that you're trying to do. But kids are like, I don't need that. Um, so I think listening to that and not letting your kind of preferences, I guess, for communicating direct that ship too much. I think giving kids input in any way, like sometimes I think it's helpful to like, if this is if you're in a bigger church, and you have a lot of marketing or communication needs, maybe bringing a kid on as a quote unquote intern, or a way that they can kind of find a leadership role. I'm sure there are kids in almost every church that have that desire to kind of write or edit or do something from like a publicity type of standpoint and just bring them on. Maybe it's for every event, like you have kids that really love the, the dodgeball tournament that you throw every every spring and there's kids that have been doing this and it's like just bringing them in and be like how can we get this out to other people in the community and in the church and just let, letting them be a part of it i think is a good rule for almost every part of youth ministry that's great and, and it's a very common tactic in social media marketing to do kind of what they call takeovers where you allow one of your quote-unquote customers to do your marketing for you and i have seen that be successful with churches allowing their youth to post stuff now the way it may work is you have them sort of make their Instagram story, uh, save it to their phone, text it to you, and then you sort of filter and post to make sure that it's you know appropriate and that the right things are going up. But uh, it's getting kids involved in the creation of the marketing and communications uh, can be a way to get them really excited and to help them uh, understand the challenge that you're up against. Yep. Well, I'm wondering, what are some of the questions? Like you said before, there's a way to word, I'm having a conversation with your child in a way that's you know smooth and effective, and then there's a way to do it that's clunky and creepy. I'm wondering, out of your experience, what are some of the questions that you ask your students and parents to kind of check in and see how they're feeling about ministry? Um, you know, I'll, I'll, a lot of times it's just a basic, I think it's almost, almost never in the actual question as it is in the act. And so a lot of times I think this for me is where I try not to do, I make the switch from a digital communication or a print communication to a a one-on-one communication. So this is a lot of the work that I think has happens before youth group or during coffee hour or uh, in the parking lot when they're picking people up. It's just having those connections and just checking in, right? So a lot of times for me, this is kind of that relational youth ministry point where I'm doing that with kids just in a general way of like, yeah. hey, what's going on in your life. But with parents at the same time, it's just like, hey, I, you know, I really love having, uh, you know, seeing Sally here every week. I hope she's enjoying it, you know, and stuff like that. And most of the mm. time, you know, those, those kind of conversations, they feel like just, I don't know, they feel like they're not important. But to me, I think making those connections, again, just strengthens everything else you're doing because you're, you're asking about somebody that they obviously care about, somebody that you care about. But also it's just not... I don't know. It's the same way. It's, it's not making it so it's this thing where you're constantly looking for feedback and data that you can use, you know, as yeah. like an analytic or whatever for, for right. marketing stuff. But, but it's like turning this marketing thing into something that is more relational and more personal. And that's, that's just how I do it most of the time. Like sometimes I will ask like, hey, how do you think this trip went? 
But I think that's usually for people that were involved. When I'm talking with like just people who are a part of the event or just kids or family, it really is just a, like a check-in. What, what's up with you? What's, what's happening right now? And if they have a problem or they have a concern, it's going to come up. So, so it, it's just it gives yeah. them the opportunity to, to, to have a voice. And that's always, uh, that's always what you're looking for, I think. That's great. Brian, I would love to close with a story about a time when you feel like investing the time, energy, and money into communicating well made an impact in the lives of one of your youth or the families in your ministry. Sure. So we started a church. This is mid-2000s, and there wasn't really a great youth group culture at the time. They, they'd had a lot of people kind of shuffling in and out, and one of the first things that I really wanted to do there was to kind of acknowledge the fact that we have like 35, 40 kids here that really want to be doing something. And so we need some kind of like cohesive thing that we're going to do. And so I started just basically, I started out by telling parents and kids, Hey, I want to, I want to like define the values. What are the key values or the key kind of passions of this group of this church? And we just started having these kind of like listening sessions, if you will, where I invited parents, whoever they could come to all of them. They could come to one of them. They could come to none of them. And we would just start throwing stuff up on the board of like, what's the values? Like what makes this, this youth group special or unique? And we did that work mainly because it gave me an opportunity to learn who the kids were and learn who this church was that I just started at. But also we were starting to find out like, okay, this is what's important to them and this is what we need to do. And after we got all of that, we kind of did that work and we got these five different values. I brought those to the teenagers in the, in the youth group and I was like, all right, does this represent who you are? And about half of them were like, no, <laughs> no, this is not <laughs> it. Um, and so we then again did the process with those five things. Like, okay, let's swap some of these out. How this comes as far as a communication program is – these kids, like one of the things that they had desperately wanted now, this is in the South. So those of us who had worked in the South will understand why this, this tracks. Um, what they desperately wanted was a t-shirt. They wanted their own like church youth group t-shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, and you know, and we had a, we had a fancy name, 838 based on Romans 838. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and I stand by that as a cool name, but anyway, but it's like, we came up with that name that, that, cause that verse uh, encompassed all the values and we communicated that into this, you know, with, with the kids into this idea that they wanted this t-shirt. So then we designed the t-shirt and they got to wear the t-shirts and people in the church were like, what does that t-shirt mean? And then we got to, again, then preach the message of what the values of the youth group were from that t-shirt. And so that's kind of a weird one. Like that's, that's about the, as sexy, I think, as you can get with communications. There's other ones where it's sure. like, I planned a 50 or 75 person ski trip to Colorado and nobody, everybody got there on time. That, that's like the reality. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think this is a good example of like this thing of just listening and sit and like kind of constantly listening, constantly asking questions and getting to the point of like, Oh, you just want a t-shirt. <laughs> we can do a t-shirt guys. It's going to be. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Brian, thank you again for joining us today. And we're so grateful to Sparkhouse for sponsoring today's episode. Listeners can find out more at wearesparkhouse.org. Brian, do you have any last uh, asks of our audience or calls to actions or things you'd love to make us aware of? No, I think we covered a lot of this. I mean, like I said, I, I, I hate to be too much of a homer. I do think that Sparkhouse makes a lot of great stuff. And so if you if you never checked it out, just give it a, give it a check out. We have things from, from birth to adult. And I think it's I wouldn't work here if I didn't honestly and truly believe in the stuff that we make. Awesome. Well, now listeners, we want to hear from you. How do you build relationships with and get information out to the families and youth in your community? What are some of the best or worst investments that you've made in these areas? You can email us at podcast at umcom.org and we just might share your story on a future episode. And of course, you can always use that email podcast at umcom.org to send us any feedback or topic suggestions you have for the show. 
we would love to hear from you. Finally, if you found this podcast to be helpful and you'd like to make sure other church communicators like yourself find this resource, the two biggest things you can do are to share this episode with your friends and colleagues and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Thanks again for listening to the MyCom Church Marketing Podcast. Mm -hmm.